0: Welcome to Episode 64, How to Protest Your Property Taxes. Today is a special treat because I'm interviewing a property protest tax specialist. He actually owns a company... They protest thousands of homes in Texas per year. Throughout the interview, he gives the ins and outs of what to know, what to not know. It's really jam-packed with information, so you want to stay tuned. It's a longer episode than I'm used to, but it's very important information. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining in. Okay.
1: So thanks for joining us, everybody. This is going to be probably about 40, 45 minutes max, but then we're going to have a presentation. I've got a special guest today, Craig. I'll introduce him in a sec. We're going to talk about having a tool to help your clients protest their property tax. So it's a super important topic. And as y'all know, if you don't already, that for the second and probably third year in a row, taxes are going to keep going up because people are taxed on a certain amount and the capped values haven't even come close to catching up to the true value. So I know my personal taxes, I'm 10% every single year, like clockwork the last couple of years. But I've got some great info for you today to just have a resource for your clients. I'm going to just tell you quickly about me. I mean, almost all of you know me, but I've been in business a really long time since 95, helped a lot of families. I'm all referral. Mostly I'm now starting to get referrals from my YouTube channel, which is super fun. And if you haven't gone to my YouTube channel, make sure that you like Loan with Jen and subscribe on YouTube. It's a mortgage library I've been building for four years, and I've got almost gosh, I think now like 400 videos of just mortgage-type topics for you and your buyers and sellers. So with that, I am going to stop sharing and let Craig, you're up. So Craig Hancock, while he's starting to share, Craig Hancock owns a Texas-based company. They help people protest taxes. So that's what he's going to be talking to you about today. Our company, Legacy, has used him quite a bit. I'm actually going to have him do my personal taxes this year. So no pressure, Craig, but... (laughs) but uh, looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to what you have to say to us today. Welcome. All right, Jen.
2: Thanks for having me and um, good to connect with everybody today and talk about one of our favorite topics. I know it's not a lot of favorite topics for most folks, but we're here to help try to inform and shed some light on some things that are uh, often misunderstood or or confusing. So let me, um, like Jen said, I'll walk through a few slides. I'll try to breeze through these. And so I may I may cover some topics that you want to dive into more. That's totally fine. We can dig into it on Q&A if helpful. I call this Property Taxes 201 because a lot of y'all as real estate professionals have a good sense already of property taxes. We do some of these for homeowners sometimes, and they have a far less sense than y'all do. So... We'll, we will cover some basics, but then you're going to talk about a couple of really, really kind of thorny uh, topics. First off, I wanted you all to know like why we founded Home Tax Shield and what we're doing and why. And this one number is it. We found out a few years back that this is how many Texas homeowners don't protest their property taxes. It kind of took us took our breath away a little bit when we were looking into this. And not filing a protest on your property taxes in Texas is really similar to not filing your IRS tax return in letting the IRS guess at how much money you made and then taxing you on that guess. And so it's really important to protest every year. It it is the only way in Texas that you can make sure that you're not getting overtaxed. Protesting is it. A lot of people like to look at their value and think about whether or not they think it's fair, but the reality is you don't know until you go through this process and either succeed or fail. So protesting is important. This business is driven heavily by dates. And so I like to start some reminders on the really critical dates in property taxes. There's two big ones that you just don't want to miss. January 31st is the first big one. You know, missing your property tax bill deadline is really a problem. You can end up losing your home. There's lots of fees and it's a headache. Don't ever miss that deadline. The second deadline you don't want to miss is May 15th. That's the deadline that you have one time a year to protest your property taxes. If you miss that deadline, you can't request an extension. You can't go back and fix it past years. It's your one shot and done Deadline. And so those are really important for um for all of us that live in Texas and own homes to remember. Those are the two big ones. There's a few ways to reduce your property taxes. The first one is I call them free coupons, but exemptions. These are exemptions that you potentially can qualify for that will save a lot of money. Property taxes. Homestead is one, over 65 is another. For our men and women that served in the military and got disabled to some degree, the disabled vet exemptions help a ton. I always you know, make sure you remind your clients to apply for every exemption they think they qualify for. That helps save a ton of money. And it's again, free coupons use them. The second way is to protest every year. And we are uh, big proponents of letting a professional do this instead of suggesting the homeowners go and do this themselves. It's a little bit more arduous than people think. And having the right data and a professional handle it typically delivers much better results. And it's certainly a better experience for the homeowners. There's other ways to reduce property taxes that aren't quite as popular, like moving to a cheaper home or a cheaper area, voting against things that might be good for your community. Again, those technically can lower property taxes that way but number one and number two exemptions and protests good to remember these are a short collection of what i call property tax myths that i find not just homeowners but sometimes real estate professionals kind of have wrong in their head so i like to talk about these in case it triggers any questions or conversations a big one on the homeowner side is they'll look at their value look at their neighbor's value and see that their neighbors lower and believe that they should be lower. The reality is that the way that the Texas property tax system values a home is very different than the way that real estate professionals value homes for transaction purposes. You first have to understand how the appraisal district values a home in order to be able to compare your home to your neighbor's home and nobody does that and so that's why it's oftentimes not really something that you can do as a homeowner just looking at your neighbor's homes I'll talk a little bit more about the details behind that here in a second. Another common one is they'll believe that, you know, they have old countertops or old cabinets or needed a HVAC unit or, you know, need to paint their house. Paint their house. Oh, none no, of these no, no, just... really help uh, lower property taxes to be candid. The only situations that a home is in disrepair, needs a full roof replacement, needs a foundation fixed, Usually these things need to cost in the many tens of thousands of dollars before any kind of repair issues will be considered in a protest. That's a common misunderstanding too. Some folks might actually get a preliminary value for their home that they think is below the market, that and that might actually be true, but still protest because one, there's zero risk to protesting. They cannot raise your value in a protest. And two, y'all would be shocked at how often we can still get a reduction on a property where you think it's already pretty fair um, and again it, it goes back to the the fact that the only way we can tell you for sure that it's fair is if we protest it and get it get a result next couple of things are also on exemptions homestead and over 65 people sometimes believe that they're completely covered and they have exemptions so they don't need to protest like jim was saying earlier if you do this then you're effectively agreeing To let the county lock in many years of 10% increases in your taxes if you're capped at 10%. So let us put some pressure on your value and try to get it down lower every year. And you will either save money or accelerate the time in which you can save money by letting us do that, even if you have exemptions. Some people think that it's gonna hurt their schools or police or fire. That's not necessarily true either. The state budget oftentimes backstops any shortfalls in property tax collections for schools and local taxing entities and the like. And so you won't really hurt your schools by protesting and saving money on your taxes. Some people do believe it hurts their resale value, but um, I have not met any talented real estate professional who thinks that the county's value is the market value. So um, y'all work really hard to determine the market value, what a buyer will pay, what a seller will accept, that's totally different than what the county thinks the home is worth. There's actually about 7 or 8 values for a home that are all different but they're all correct. And the reason they're different and correct is because they're used for different purposes. Our value's purpose is all about the value that's used to tax the home. Y'all have values that the buyer needs and the seller needs and the mortgage lender needs and the insurance company needs. There's lots of other values, but just ours is just for property tax. I kind of hinted on this one that protesting is easy. That's definitely, uh protesting is technically, filing a protest is easy. Protesting well is actually very complex. There's a lot of data involved and it, there's a lot of uh process and system conversation that can go into your uh, protest that a licensed tax agent is best suited to handle. And so we suggest you let our professionals take care of that. And then last one, I'll show you an example on this, the idea that a CMA is a good tool to fight property taxes. We really discourage CMAs from being used to fight property taxes. The reason is, is because even though those are sales comps and sales is one of the arguments you can make to reduce your taxes, it doesn't help the other argument at all, which is called the equal and uniform argument. And you end up giving the homeowner way too much sales data, more than they need. And those sales are not adjusted the way that the county tax appraiser looks at how to value a home. So let me show you an example. This is an example of a subject property with seven comps. And you have to go through that county, in this case, Travis County, that county's specific tax appraisal methodology to adjust every single comp to the subject property in order for the county to accept your sales comps. So a raw CMA, raw sales comps are not a good protest product. This is a better protest product that's actually fully adjusted according to how the county does it. And we've kicked out comps that you think might be helpful but that end up not being helpful after you adjust. We really discourage folks from sharing raw CMAs with their clients. Let us do it this way. Keeps your client from divulging proprietary sales information about their neighbors too, which is always a good thing to help them avoid. I want to talk about this for a minute because this is probably the most confusing question that we get and uh, particularly from homeowners, but the homestead exemption. So a couple of years ago, the legislature accelerated the time in which you can file a homestead exemption. And as Jen knows, back in the day, just a few years ago and a long time ago, you used to have to wait until January 1st, the following year after you purchase a home to even file for the exemption. Well, they accelerated that and it caused a ton of confusion. So on one hand, the acceleration is good. You can now file really the day that you move in when you have utility bills your driver's license address matches and all that jazz you can file for the exemption right then and it accelerated when you can file it and it accelerated the amount of the forty thousand dollar credit that you can get in that first year it did not accelerate the cap okay So that the homestead has two components to it, two benefits. One's the credit, which saves the average homeowner, you know, two or 300 bucks, depending on their tax rate in a year. And and then the 10% cap, which means that they can't tax you on more than 10% year over year it did not accelerate the cap. And so the cap is the confusing part because what happens is people bought in 2021. In 2021, you couldn't file for the exemption early, so they had to file in 2022. And then it got approved in 2022. And then they thought they would be cap in 2022 over 2021, but they weren't because their first full year living in the home wasn't until 2022, which means their first cap is technically 2022 three. So this is a very delayed benefit. It's actually designed this way by the legislature to reward and encourage long-term homeownership. But man, it has caught a bunch of homeowners off guard with massive increases in their property taxes that they didn't expect. So please understand this and help try to communicate to homeowners that you really have to live in the the house for an entire full calendar year before you can even think about getting the 10% cap on your home. So very important stuff. Last couple of things, because of property taxes going up, escrows have gone up a lot for most Texas homeowners, was just chatting with one earlier, saw a $300 per month increase in his home to cover these extra property taxes that he wasn't prepared for. Like most Texas homeowners, those 85% he hadn't protested before, but he is now. So we want more of those folks Uh, on board. The legislative session is meeting, as y'all know, and there's going to be some changes. There's a lot up in the air. The homestead exemption may get even better than $40,000 credit. We'll see. And we'll be sending some stuff out once we kind of know for certain what's going to happen on the legislative front. And then uh, preliminary values have started coming out, and I wanted to show y'all kind of where things are at. And we cover 45 counties across Texas, which is pretty much about 80% of the population in the state. This is what's happening in 2023, but a lot of counties that are going back and continuing to raise uh, property values that they're going to be taxed on uh, by double digits, really strong double digits. Again, just even more reason why it's really important to let a professional protest to keep your value in check, get you that question answered. Or, or am I being overtaxed or not? From a, a partner uh, standpoint, we do have a great partner program for real estate professionals. It is free. You can sign up at hometaxshieldcom forward slash partners, and you get a free referral URL once you sign up that you can share with clients. We have lots of great free marketing content. We work really hard to, to be as educational about this whole game of property taxes as we do traditional marketing. And so um, it's, it's a combination of education and marketing that you guys are certainly welcome to use. We have social posts, HTML templates, all sorts of great things in there for y'all if you want to join up with that. So with that, I'll just kind of pause and stop and see if anybody's got any questions about anything I talked about or even something I didn't talk about yet related to property tax.
3: I have a quick question. I'm Neil Silverman with Bernstein Realty and you talked about the 65 plus uh, homestead exemption. Can you explain, is it a matter that they lock the rate for that 65? How does that actually work? How does the calculations work to help a 65 plus?
2: Yeah, that that's a great question, uh, Neil. So the way that the over 65, exemption works let's start with some of the basics so first you have to have your homestead exemption approved before you can get an over 65 so that's a prerequisite if you get over 65 approved you can file once you turn 65 you can file for over 65 then the year you turn 65 and if your exemption is approved then what the county does is, is the county will look at your value of your home the year you turn 65 Or the year you turn 66, and they will take the lowest of those two values, and that's what they will freeze your taxes on. Okay. And so you're, and it's mainly just a freeze of your school taxes. It's not necessarily a freeze of all of your taxes. That's another common thing that people misunderstand because school taxes are, for most of us, half, at least half of our tax bill. It feels like my taxes are getting frozen when you're over 65, but. There are some taxing entities outside of the school district that don't accept the over 65, which means they can still go up as much as... So so I think you answered it. It's not the rate. It's the value of
3: the house, depending on 65 or 66, the lower value of those two. And then they lock that value in for the remainder, I guess. And And I guess you could always protest that value too.
2: Yes, you can. And the rates, the reason people think it's locking their property taxes in on the over 65 is because rates each year typically don't move a ton. They may go up or down a little bit. But when you at the end of the day, when you look at your school tax bill, it didn't change a lot. And so you feel like it's frozen. But the reality is the rates can go up a little bit, but your value would be frozen at whatever the year, either your 65 year or your 66 year. And that's why for those folks, it's really important that they protest both of those years because you want to freeze your stuff at the lowest value you can. And that goes back to this idea that people feel like, oh, I've got the over 65 exemption now and I don't need to do anything. Like, no, you you really should protest that year and the next year to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck. No, I, your like question- your I,
3: I like your answer. I like your answer it's better if it's the value, not the rate. Cause I, I realize the rates don't really move much. Now, if a client wanted to go with you for that protest to be there in person, are they allowed to do that?
2: Good question. They're not. We as tax professionals are shoved down a very different path than the average homeowner who protests. They still have an informal meeting and a formal meeting. Oftentimes we still have the same things an informal meeting and a formal meeting but it's it's down a whole different path than the typical homeowner path and to be candid it doesn't really help the process at all there's so many complications and twists and turns and questions that get arose in the homeowner's mind that we don't allow them to come with us to the protest but we do just like every other firm in texas that's been successful doing this. The home is in the hands of a licensed local tax professional who takes your case to the county and has those conversations for you. We're a, if you spend any amount of time with our website or create a partner account or kind of log in as a homeowner, you're going to find out that We are very tech-enabled, lots of data and technology, but that moment in which your case goes to the county, it goes with a licensed tax professional human to have that conversation. Hope hope that helps, Neil.
4: I have a question. This is Dana Shen. Hi, Dana. I saw on your graph, it's a dollar amount that is reduced for
2: homestead exemption, not a percentage? Yes.
4: No matter what the value of the home?
2: 40000 Correct. You're you're bringing up a really good point. And that infographic is designed to try to make a very complex topic simple. You're hitting on even another layer of complexity that we chose not to try to tackle in that infographic. But here's what you're teasing out, Dana. Every taxing entity, the school, the police, the fire, the road, whatever, every entity gets to decide what exemptions they accept and then what the benefit of those exemptions are. And so the ones I put on, on the infographic are the, the state mandated ones. that they are The school districts are required to give a $40,000 credit or deduction on your value to anybody that gets approved for the homestead exemption. Some taxing entities go further and will also give a, a further percentage off your value. Now, because that's left up to each taxing entity and not mandated by the state. And there are 5,300 taxing entities in the state of Texas. We don't we don't try to communicate that because that's just horribly complex. But you will find on your tax bill, you will notice that you may have a taxing entity that gave you the $40,000 credit and then gave you another percentage off your value from having the homestead. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you. Okay.
1: I'm going to ask a question. And if y'all want to ask a question, just so that then I can call on you so everyone can have a chance, just use the raise hand on the reaction. So I, you know, when I'm calculating Craig and talking to people about their payment, I estimate around 20% reduction in the taxable value just between, I know the school is usually, well, and this is Harris surrounding counties. Okay. But you're mentioning 40, but the schools in our area is usually 25. And then there are other reductions. And I've just always, I guess, trained myself to know it's around 20% in total. Is that about right? Or is that kind of skewed? Should I start using 90% or I just want to give people a good view of what their payment might be?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Unfortunately, the answer is it depends on the county because again, each county has a different collection of property taxing entities that each offer different discounts based on the exemptions that you have. A couple of years ago, when the legislature accelerated your ability to apply for the homestead exemption, they raised that $25,000 coupon for schools to 40. So it's now 40 for everybody across the whole state. Yeah, And that's one of the legislative things on the session now that they're actually looking at raising that from 40 to 70. Oh, wow. So it looks to me like that has a great chance of passing, which would be great for homestead exempt homeowners. Doesn't do anything to help people that don't have exemptions like renters or landlords or so forth, or your second home. But trying to correctly estimate the property taxes for a new homeowner, one of the key things that I definitely would do, I I haven't done the math to see if there's like a safe percentage kind of thing to assume. But the one thing that's very dangerous to assume is to look backwards at the previous owner's tax situation and just use that because that owner may have lots of exemptions and get lots of benefits that your new owner won't get any of for a couple of years. So you kind of have to start from scratch again, realizing that this new owner is not going to have a 10% cap, certainly won't get any other like cap kind of situation in place. Even if if they got over 60, you know, Homestead approved in that year and over 65 approved on the new home all in that same year, they're still exposing themselves to an uncapped year. Yeah, and and
1: those, you know, watching and maybe watching later, that's a big thing that we see and that is why you've got to coach your clients that online calculators are wrong because the ai is pulling in the taxes from the tax rolls and it could be a disabled veteran an over yeah. five someone who's lived in the house for 25 years and they've got year over year of 10 percent cap right so values right now are way off from what the tax values are because of our huge appreciation in the last couple of years. So it's really important that y'all get them with a lender like me or somebody as soon as possible, because they're looking at these online calculators thinking that their payment is X and it's X plus who knows what. And so that's a huge, huge thing that we see is exactly what Craig just mentioned. So we're going to go to Neil and then Frosty. So Neil, you're up.
3: Okay. Just speaking on that subject about what the savings is, I I fight my property taxes myself every year and I've helped other clients do it. And what I find is in Harris County and like where we live in Houston, yeah, it does come in around 20%. Typically, for what I've calculated, but I did one up in the woodlands and the savings was just minuscule. It was like 10%. And I think it had to do with the mud tax because the mud tax is so high and they don't give hardly anything. I don't know if they even give you any relief on the value minus the value percentage. And I'm sure, you know, our expert can speak better on that. And I find that in certain places, maybe even out in Fort Bend, it's not quite as good as what we have. But Yeah, I'd be careful about telling, I'm always careful about telling my client what their savings are now with Homestead after finding that out.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think I might start, I might make a chart actually, but then that gets into some more trouble. But you're right. I mean, I probably should be saying 10 to 20 just to give it a range. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Neil.
0: Frosty, you're up. Hi, thanks. So when does the 10% cap apply? And on the first year what is the maximum that they can raise those taxes
2: the value the first year you own a home uh-huh yeah so let me answer that one first so the year that you purchase a home because texas is a non-disclosure state still mm-hmm. the county will not oftentimes know what you paid for the home because they don't know they will guess and they often guess wrong and guess high so if you don't do anything if you don't protest then there's actually a chance that you can end up paying taxes on a value that's more than you actually paid for the home. But protesting has the chance to at least get the value down to the level uh, that you paid for the home. And oftentimes even less than that. And that's where we spend a lot of time with our data and our professionals, just looking for every fair way to get that value down. And so the short answer to your second question is they can tax you as much as you let them, let them raise your value. The best rule of thumb to keep the 10% cap idea simple and straightforward is it's two years after you purchase the home that you get the cap. So if I purchase the home in 2023, I'm not getting a cap until 2025. Whoa. Yep. And so here's why. In 2023, just mathematical fact, a cap has to have a base year on which to cap. So as a new owner for 2023, I don't have a base year yet. I can't use the previous owner's base year. That's his or her base year. So 2023, that could be my base year, but it's really half of my base year and half of the previous owner's base year. The county does not consider that my base year. So 2024 would be technically my first base year owning the home, my first full year. So then now I have a base and 2025 is now when the cap goes on the base and now they can't raise me 10% more than my base in 2025. That's how delayed it is. It's a very valuable exemption, which is why a lot of homeowners looked at it, got it and expected it and didn't, it didn't show up when they thought it would. I hope and that one helps. more
0: question about, yes, thank you. Yeah. And for the 65, you said that then you have to wait until you are 66 and then they average and they check and then your 65 plus exemption will apply at the year that you turn 66 then? So you won't see the, the 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 savings right away?
2: That Yes, that great point. That is true. So the year you turn 65, remember, that's the year they're going to freeze your value. So that means the year you turn 65, your value can still go up from the previous year. And it probably did. So it went up in the year you turn 65. But if that's the year they freeze it, then it's when you turn 66 that you would get benefit from that freeze. But what they also do is they will look at your value the year you turn 66 and if it's less than the value you got when you turn 65, they'll actually give you the lower of the two. They're giving you a couple of years to kind of get your values set at a fair level and then they're gonna freeze it the year, you know, 67, eight, nine and 70 and so forth. Okay, thank you. You're welcome.
4: Dana, you have a question. Yeah, okay, so has this delay of two years Always been the case. Second part: Does it matter what time of year you buy or you, yeah, you purchase your home as to whether or not it, it's actually two years or could it just be the next
2: year? Yeah, that great couple of questions. It has always been this way. This is one of the things that they didn't they didn't really change when they accelerated the ability for the homeowner to apply for the exemption. It didn't change the cap calculations at all. And that it goes back to the, this kind of like base year concept. And they, they want one full year of separation between previous owner and current owner to help you establish your base. That's kind of what they're trying to go for. It has always been like that. The reason people are technically getting very confused about it now is just because our real estate market has gone off the charts. In most normal years in Texas, we aren't going up by 20, 30, 40%. And so rarely would you ever actually hit your 10% cap, honestly. And so this is a little bit of a new dynamic that's just kind of getting its light shown on it right now. And it goes to the difference between appraised value and assessed value. This is another point of confusion around the homestead exemption that we should talk about. And Harris County actually calls it market value and appraised. And so there are two values. The appraised value is what the county appraises your home for. Even if you have homestead exemption, they can appraise your home for a hundred percent increase if they want. There's no limit on what they can appraise your home for. Matter of fact, by law, they're supposed to appraise your home to be within 5% of the actual market. So they have to push your appraised value up towards that market, even if it's well above 10%. When they do that though, they can only tax you or assess you on a 10% increase. So that's where your assessed value comes into play. If they raise my $1 million dollar home, to $2 million in one year, then that's my market value. My appraised value is $2 million. But my assessed value would be $1.1 million because that's only 10% increase over a million. So a lot of homeowners get confused over the appraising assessed. And like I think Jen was saying, if you go look at some of the public websites, they're showing you the assessed value, not the market or appraised value, which is can be very misleading when you're trying to Do all the correct calculations at closing.
1: Before we get to you, Dana, I just want to mention while we're on the topic that this is a huge contention that we see, again, when people are buying houses. And remember, y'all, I'm only one lender. I mean, I educate the clients and I warn them like, hey, we're collecting escrow right now based on the seller's value. Because I can't collect escrow for a value that's not there, so we have to educate them. Because we're seeing, because of the appreciation in the last few years, we're seeing such enormous gaps between what the seller is taxed on, because they've been capped all these years. So let's say they're buying it for four fifty, and the seller's paying on three hundred because they've lived there forever. I'm only collecting escrow based on three hundred because that's what the tax is i can't collect like i said something that's not there so i have to counsel these buyers like hey you need to put money aside you will have a day and just like craig was mentioning it takes two years it takes two years for their escrow to catch up because when that full value comes the lender only knows about it every december when they pay taxes so that's why right now your clients that bought two years ago If they weren't coached properly by their lender, and even when I coach them, y'all, they forget, okay? Like they forget, some of them. They're getting these huge increases and and some people cannot afford the house. What if their economic situation has changed in a couple of years? So it's really important that y'all remind them, touch base with them, connect them with something that can help them. Because- Craig had that. I love that slide, Craig, that you had. There's only three or four choices. When you want to lower your taxes, there's only a few choices, like your taxes, what your tax is, and insurance rates are going up as well. So some people are going to have to move to a, a different neighborhood or downsize their house. And so it's really important for them to understand what's going on. So I hope that makes sense.
4: Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this again.
1: <laughs> a lot of info.
4: A lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So my question with new construction, how to counsel a buyer who's buying new construction on what, I mean, question about, you know, how much escrow, how's all that calculated? And then we'll just talk about new construction because we know it takes a couple of years, doesn't it? for the values to, to really add up to what the house may be appraised at. Okay.
2: Yeah. It makes sense. I don't know. It does. So I mentioned earlier that when a, a new home buyer buys a home in a given year, the County will know that the home transacted because they're going to see it in the deed, right? They're going to see in the County clerk records, Hey, this home changed hands, right? The new construction is even more complex because not only do they not know what price the buyer paid for the new home, they don't know anything about the home. They're completely guessing. Does it have four bedrooms or three bedrooms? Is it a 3,500 square foot home? Is it a 4,000 square foot home? You know, And sometimes they'll get some of those details from the builder. But to be honest, I don't know how accurate the builders are at providing the county all this information because they just want to develop the property, build the property, sell the property, and move on. And so we see a lot of huge reduction opportunities in new builds. And whether it's a new purchase of an old home or a new purchase of a new build, those are two really powerful examples of why it's super critical to protest the very first chance you get as that new homeowner. Because the county will oftentimes, if, if they get the specifics of the new build wrong, we can fix those using the appraisal report, an inspection report, and that kind of stuff, in addition to just arguing the market value down from a tax standpoint. So they need to have somebody look at what did the county think about my new bill? Did they get all the specifics right? Because if they think you have a pool and you don't have a pool, you're getting taxed on the pool unless you do something
4: about that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry to continue that vein of questioning. Um I don't, I've got a, a buyer who bought first of the year. Their tax value came out as just a lot of value. So
2: now to go to protest it, I don't know that they're going to know what they're protesting. Yeah, let's talk about that. And because this is another new build component. So by law, the county has to value the home as of January 1st of that year. Okay. So, if there's no sticks on the ground on January 1st, they can only value it as dirt, as land. Okay. Even if you start putting sticks up on January 2nd, doesn't matter. You're only going to get taxed on the fact that that was just a lot on January 1st. Okay. And where some of the confusion gets in is what happens when you start building in October and you've got 30% of the home up. They're going to try to guess how much of the home is up or not. And, you know, they're going to guess high and you got to tell them they're right or wrong. And, Uh, through the protest process. And so that's why it's it's really important to pay attention to what the county thinks about the particulars of your home, not just the value itself, particularly when you're talking about new builds. I hope that helps, Dana. Yes, thank
4: you.
1: Hey, Craig, I wanted you to mention, y'all are really super unique in how you charge. I'd like to, maybe if you could just let them know, like, industry-wide, you know, you and I were talking about there's, you know, all these people that are entities that protest taxes. And what do y'all do that's different? Like what's...
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Jen. We we worked pretty hard to try to find out, really, we tried to answer the question, why why are 85% of your clients not protesting, right? That's astounding across the state of Texas. And so one of the things that we found, there's a huge education gap. People don't even know that you can protest. Once they find out you can, they don't know how to do it. And they don't even know you can hire a pro. So there's a whole education issue behind property taxes in Texas. And, you know, the rising values are starting to help make people a little bit more aware. But one of the things that we decided to do when we launched on Tax Shield years ago was we definitely wanted to be... Different, and we wanted to do things philosophically correct in the benefit of the homeowner. And so our standard fees for protesting a home are $30 per home per year, and then 30% of tax savings. And so one of the reasons we did that is because we looked at the history of this industry and a lot of our competitors have touted this, you know, don't pay me anything unless we reduce your property tax bill kind of sales pitch, which honestly, it sounds too good to be true. I talked with a lot of homeowners that literally told me that. It's like, why have you not protested? And they said, everything I get just sounds too good to be true. So it must be too good. So I'm not going to do that. And so just the simple notion of making them pay 30 bucks to protest their home has really changes the conversation a little bit. But more importantly, when you choose to engage with a firm that has one of those old school don't pay me anything. And then you'll share 40 or 50% of the savings. What happens is, you know, it does the homeowner disservice because your case then goes on the desk of that tax agent and they'll look at it for 30 to 60 seconds. And because they know a hundred percent of their money comes from savings, if they don't see a really easy and big reduction on your home, they're moving on to the next home. You aren't really even getting, in my opinion, you're not getting a fair shake and you're not getting your question answered, which is, am I being overtaxed or not? Is the county overvaluing me or not? And at the core, our business model is really driven by savings. Lots of companies in our industry have, homeowners want savings. And so it's super important, don't get me wrong. But at the core, the reason homeowners really need to hire us and do this is to make sure that they're not getting overtaxed. That's worth 30 bucks a year to have a professional handle that for you every year. And so that kind of just a little bit different philosophical approach to this business. And we're doing that and it's working really well in a lot of areas, which is great. And we're trying to get that 85% that just don't know that you can do this, don't know how to do it and get them on board.
1: That's awesome. So I'm going to send all of y'all the recording tomorrow and I'm going to send, I'm just going to convert it to a link for you. And then I'm going to also include Craig's info. I know he flashed it up on the screen, but I'll also put it just in a quick link that you could do. Craig, if you just want to just right now, if you could put in the chat, if you don't mind, just if they want to go ahead and go out there. And they really do have a lot of really good graphics. You know, you could make a marketing piece. Y'all need to be emailing your clients like ASAP because obviously it's a month away. That's the deadline and they need to, if they're going to do it, they need to engage, but it's a great conversation If you just wanted to call all of your past clients, especially the ones that have bought in the last two years, but even those clients, y'all that, I mean, I've lived in my house nine years, my taxes are, they keep going up because the 10% cap. So Craig, I misunderstood too. And you said, no, you've got to be protesting that appraised market value, not your taxable value. And so I didn't even really understand that. I'm like, huh? (laughs) So if I'm I don't really understand it. Craig does this all the time. And uh, so I really like their model and they give a great service, so.
2: On the you know taxable versus market value, that's by law, we have to protest the market value, the appraised value. That's just simply law. But the reality is if we don't reduce your assessed value then we don't actually save you any money on your taxes. And we won't charge you the 30% success fee in that case. So, And this is really important for homestead exempt homeowners that have huge 10% homestead caps on their home. We will protest the home, lower your value, and it won't save you any money, and we won't charge you any success fees. And, but the reason you should pay us $30 to do that is because we are slowly accelerating the year in which you will be able to save a lot of money. If you just let it sit there... The county is going to keep going up and up and up, and you're going to constantly be chasing that moment in which you could save money on your taxes. But we charge only on the reduction of assessed because that's simply the only fair way to do this. But we have to protest the market value. Just That's just by law.
1: Mary has a question. Mary?
0: Yes. Can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah.
2: Mary?
0: Hi. Okay. So I have clients specifically who was told I wasn't able to sit in on the closing with them right before, I guess it was November. Um, And he was saying that the title company themselves were telling him not to protest and I know there are some other clients who have mentioned being scared to do it because they don't want it, especially here in the Katy area to protest and then get, you know, charged more. So that is really a myth about protesting and then being charged more or have that amount go up even higher.
2: No, thank you for asking that, Mary. So as with any myth or myth mistruth in all of our lives, there's always a little kernel of truth to some of these things. So the reason that that myth exists today is because going back, gosh, 8, 10, 15 years ago, that actually could happen. The county could raise you in the middle of a protest for, you know, for whatever reason. But the legislature like a decade ago got rid of that. So that is no longer even legally allowed for them to raise you because you protest or in the middle of a protest for that year. So that means that essentially there is zero risk to protesting. They cannot raise you. They can only keep you there or lower you. And that's it. Those are the two choices. Thanks for asking that. And Jen mentioned, and I put it in the chat, I shared my contact info with you, but I will ask that it is virtually impossible for me to answer anything from any homeowners. (laughs) There's just too many of them. I'm happy to work with you guys if y'all need help on your partner account and so forth, but please do not send my personal contact info out to homeowners. I won't answer them. I'll tell you right now, I can't. I made that mistake a few years ago and it's just impossible. There's just too much outreach. And so we have a great web chat support team. We answer stuff on SMS, email, web chat i actually work the web chat a lot and so you'll see me on there
1: craig one last question do do any of the agents speak spanish or i know it also depends on the county but what if someone needs spanish
2: we do have one customer support individual that speaks spanish but he doesn't work 100 percent of the time and so we do our best to help our spanish-speaking homeowners as best we can both get signed up and help with their account it's a great question i mean we live in texas one of the things that uh, is on my radar is to get everything that we have translated into Spanish. I was hoping to get that done this year, but we couldn't get it done. So it's going to have to be for next year. We did launch Cameron and Hidalgo counties. We've been in Bear County for a long time. And so we do run into that and we're, we're going to make that more of a priority heading into next year. Yeah, that's where we're at right now.
1: Well, thanks for educating us. Y'all, I will get this converted over and I'll send it to you. So you've got it. And then you've got Craig's info as well. And let's get the homeowners info that they need so we can start helping them save some money. He's got to be their advocate. Thanks for spending time with us, Craig. I super appreciate it.
2: You bet. Good to meet y'all. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you to Craig for this action-packed episode. If you want to learn how to get in touch with Craig's company, they actually don't deal with homeowners directly. They do referral only through industry professionals like me. So my info is in the show notes, shoot me an email, visit my website or call me and I'm happy to connect you with them. So you can get started on saving money. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.